This is AgriPulse Daybreak for Monday, December 10th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Daly. Here's today's headlines. New WOTUS regs to relax U.S. regulatory authority. Farm bill rollout this week. South Korea wants apples. Cranberry growers need help. The WOTUS proposal will seek to reduce U.S. authority over wetlands and streams. The Environmental Protection Agency and Army Corps of Engineers are expected to release a proposal perhaps as early as today to eliminate federal authority over a vast array of ephemeral streams and wetlands. EPA Acting Administrator Andrew Wheeler is scheduled to discuss the proposal with media this afternoon, that according to an advisory EPA sent out yesterday. The rollback of the 2015 rule known as WOTUS for Waters of the U.S., has long been one of President Donald Trump's top priorities, but it has taken nearly two years to get to the proposal stage. Longtime observers of the regulatory process told AgriPulse that EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers will allow a 90-day public comment period, but will probably be asked to extend that by at least 30 days. Agency talking points leaked to some news organizations say the proposal will seek to regulate perennial and intermittent tributaries to traditional navigable waters, but exclude from federal jurisdiction ephemeral streams, which only flow when it rains or the snow melts and the related features. It will only cover adjacent wetlands that are physically and meaningfully connected to other jurisdictional waters. The top talking point on the list says the previous rule wasn't about water quality, but was instead about power. Power in the hands of the federal government over farmers, developers, and landowners. Lawsuits in multiple states over WOTUS and the Trump administration's plans to kill it through regulation have led to a split in federal wetlands jurisdiction. Right now, the 2015 rule is in effect in 22 states, the District of Columbia, and the U.S. territories. The previous regulation issued in the 1980s are in effect in the remaining 28 states. Remember, any rule that comes out will almost certainly be the subject of litigation. Lawmakers look to unveil Farm Bill Agreement. Leaders of the House and Senate Agriculture Committees hope to roll out their new Farm Bill tomorrow, with an eye to getting it passed by the House and the Senate by next week. The lead negotiators are expressing confidence that the bill will have sufficient support in both the House and Senate. In an AgriPulse open mic interview, National Farmers Union President Roger Johnson says his group will support the bill even though it won't provide as much assistance as farmers need. He said, quote, it's a whole lot better than not having a farm bill. NFU had called for raising reference prices in the price loss coverage program to provide bigger payments to farmers, but that was never in the cards because of the cost. There will be an escalator clause in the bill to raise reference prices if commodity prices climb significantly higher and stay there for several years. But the top Democrat of the House Agriculture Committee, Colin Peterson, says the corn price would have to rise to at least $6 a bushel for its reference price to be increased. Chinese rice continues to flood Puerto Rico. Cheap Chinese rice continues to flood Puerto Rico, according to U.S. farmers' frustrations with the trade war that is seen as delaying the lifting of China's ban on U.S. rice. Puerto Rico, not so long ago, depended on rice from farmers in Arkansas, Louisiana, and other southern states, is reacting predictably to cheap Chinese offers, the U.S. territory buying it. 
Senior USDA economist Nathan Charles said at this year's USA Rice Outlook Conference in San Diego that last year, China began exporting again to Puerto Rico after 10 years of having shut off its rice trade with the island. It sold about 10,000 tons of the grain in the 2017-18 marketing year, which ended July 31st. In September, China sold 21,000 tons. China, which is sitting on a massive stockpile of rice, is selling at prices the U.S. just can't come close to, Charles told AgriPulse, about $300 a ton, less than half the U.S. price. Chinese rice production is falling, but stocks are at a near-record level of more than 200 million tons, that according to USDA data. A temporary ceasefire in the U.S.-China trade war has prevented an increase in the current U.S. tariff on Chinese rice from 10 to 25 percent. But even the higher level would not halt the flood of Chinese exports because of the massive price spread, according to Chow's. South Korea needs U.S. apples, but still can't get them. South Korean consumers can't get the apples they want because South Korean trade negotiators continue to maintain the country's entrenched barriers to imports from the U.S. and the rest of the world. The South Asian country's stance has not changed even as its country's apple production has plummeted. South Korean negotiators are demanding yet another pest risk assessment for U.S. apples to ward off their U.S. counterparts, who continue to press the country to open its market. A new analysis from the USDA's Foreign Agriculture Service shows apple production in the Asian country dropping by almost 500,000 metric tons from marketing year 2007-18 to 2018-19, a 14% decline just pushing domestic prices up and consumption down. South Korean negotiators met with U.S. negotiators from USDA and the Office of the U.S. Trade Representative last month for talks that resulted only in the U.S. agreeing to provide more paperwork showing that U.S. apples are safe to import. It's always been something or another, but basically the real problem is that they don't let apples in from any country. Mark Powers the president of the Northwest Horticulture Council told AgriPulse after that November meeting. They're extremely protectionist. They've got a very strong apple industry that they're seeking to protect. Schumer ties infrastructure and climate change in a letter to Trump. Any future infrastructure bill should include investments and measures to combat climate change, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer told President Trump in a letter sent Friday. Schumer listed a number of Democratic goals, including modernizing the electric grid, building more resilient communities, and putting more money into renewable energy, sewer, and water infrastructure. The New York senator said all projects built with public dollars should enforce Davis-Bacon provisions that guarantee workers receive prevailing wages and should be subject to Buy America standards. Cranberry growers seek federal assistance. Nine senators are asking Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue for tariff relief payments for cranberry growers, who they say are facing extremely challenging market conditions due to years of low prices and oversupply. Other commodities, including specialty crops such as almonds and sweet cherries, have received direct payments as a part of the tariff relief package, and we ask that you provide similar assistance to cranberry growers the senator said at a letter last week to Purdue. 
They said that Chinese retaliatory tariffs are undercutting U.S. efforts to build investments and business relationships in China. In addition, other burgeoning export markets, including the European Union, have also imposed tariffs on cranberries and can easily substitute cranberry imports from Canada and other countries without tariffs to replace American cranberries. The senators who signed the letter include one Republican, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, and eight Democrats, Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin, Robert Menendez of New Jersey, Ed Markey and Elizabeth Baldwin of Massachusetts, Ron Wyden and Jeff Merkley of Oregon, and Patty Murray and Maria Cantwell of Washington. U.S. Ag Group set to testify on Japan Trade Pact. Officials representing a wide range of farmers who produce wheat, soybeans, corn, almonds, and other commodities are preparing to testify today at the office of the U.S. Trade Representative on what they hope to get from a free trade agreement with Japan. It was a major hit to most farm groups when President Donald Trump pulled the U.S. out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership last year, mainly because of the promise it held for reduced Japanese tariffs. Hopes were renewed, though, when Trump and Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe agreed in September to hold trade talks for a bilateral deal. Here's today's He Said It. A single infrastructure bill will not solve our climate problem in its entirety, but it is an important first step. That Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer to President Trump in a December 7th letter. Finally this morning, and sadly, we report that former U.S. Agriculture Secretary Bob Berglund passed away yesterday at his hometown of Russo, Minnesota. Berglund served as a member of the U.S. House of Representatives from 1971 to 1977 and as Agriculture Secretary during the Carter administration. Berglund was 90 years old. Well, that is Daybreak for this Monday, December 10th. AgriPulse Daybreak is brought to you by the United Soybean Board. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak, I'm Jeff Alley.